Hey, I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. Hope you enjoy the message. This morning, as we continue with the We Read um, readings, and if you are behind in that or you don't know what I'm talking about, we go through the Bible Monday through Friday. Uh, we examine small chunks of Scripture together. Um, together separately. You can do it together together, I guess, if you want to. That'd be fantastic. But you can also go together or separately and then together on Facebook as well. There's a Facebook group that uh, we read, Facebook group that talks about these things as well. So you can do it however separate and however together you'd like. Um, but in that, we're, we're on the third week of these questions God asks. And so we're examining kind of a meta question that God asks, which is very interesting to think about because usually I think about all the questions I have for God, not the one that he has for me. Because if you're omnipotent and all-knowing, then why do you have questions for me? Well, they're pretty rhetorical <laughs> when he asks these questions, but they're very, very, very profound in how they speak to our hearts. And today's is a little funny. But more importantly, it's sad. To me, this is one of the most heartbreaking verses in all of Scripture. And when I started reading it through the eyes of a father, when I started reading it and trying to put myself, why God would would phrase something this way, it broke my heart. And it's the question, who told you you were naked? Because if you are reading Genesis and you're looking around, there's Adam and Eve. And if they think they're naked, why do they care? All the other animals are naked. right? Why, why would you care? And so there's this moment of like, wait a minute, what is going on? I only know I'm naked because I feel this thing called shame. For the first time in the history of mankind, shame has entered the picture and Adam and Eve feel naked. And from God's point of view in this, he looks at them and he knows this, but he's got the question, who told you? No, I never told you that you should feel this way. I never spoke that into you. Who told you that you were naked? And for the, we have the first identity crisis in the history of mankind in this moment in Genesis chapter 3. Do you know identity theft is the fastest growing crime in the world or in America? Definitely. Fastest growing crime. It has been that way for years. Identity theft. LifeLock is not lying to you on their commercials. Identity theft is actually the fastest. Do you ever want, like, you hear a claim, you're like, nah, that can't be true. Identity theft is actually the fastest growing crime because we have so much stuff online. We have so much, like, just everything is available to, to start stealing identity, stealing on who you are. There's a different kind of identity theft I think we're struggling with is we lose our own identity. We don't know who we are. We miss that identifying marker of who are we actually. Some of us never have actually found out who we are. And that's been a hole in our lives. We were told we were this from our parents. We were told we were that maybe from a spouse. We were told we were this from a coach. We were told we're this, but we, who are we? And finding out that identity, sticking in, in through it, and operating out of who God, God says we are is totally different than operating out of who man says we are. 
And this foundational principle of who are we? Where is my identity found? Do I make decisions out of who, well, fear? Out of who I think they want me to be? Do I say things? Do I make do actions? Well, how, do I, how do I do these? How do I live my life? Is it always in response because I want people to see me, perceive me in a certain way? Or do I live my life in a way in which I know who I am in God? And we deal with these issues from the earliest age. We want to please someone. At first, you want to please your parents. And then you want to please your friends. Then you want to please probably a boy or a girl. And then, you want to, then you, you're trying to please a boss so you can get more money. Like, we always do these things and we start to lose who we are because we sell our identity out to trying to please somebody else. You may be going, oh, yeah, I have done that. I do do that. Or you may think, I've never done that. Bull. Um, this is one of those moments in which we have to examine ourselves in a deep, meaningful way. Because how have I lost who God has said I am? Maybe we haven't examined the scriptures enough. We haven't spent enough time in prayer yet. This is not a guilt trip. This is just where we're at to know who God says we are. How should I find my identity? Who am I really? Where do I find myself? If I don't find myself in my work, or if I don't find myself as pleasing to this person or pleasing to that person, how do I actually need to identify myself? How does this work? Those are great questions. And God is, in Genesis, working with Adam and Eve, spending time with them, walking in the garden with them. And in that moment, their identity is one who gets to walk with God. That is their identity. And I really think that's the, that is the divine calling on all humanity's life is our identity should be one to walk with God. Everything else is kind of just no one cares about the other stuff. Because if we walk with God... And that's our identity. The parenting stuff will take care of itself. Our, our uh, marriage issues will take care of themselves. Who we are as a, a worker will take care of themselves. Who we are as a provider will take care of themselves. If I am one who walks with God. Now, they may not all be perfect all the time, and you're still going to have issues and troubles and all those kinds of things. But who we define ourselves as one who walks with God, it's incredibly important. And so, as Adam and Eve have been living their lives and they're walking in the garden... Something changes. As we, it is a very disorienting moment for Adam and Eve. And I think I identify with them in coming in this season, in this time. I identify with them more now than I did probably five years ago. And one of the reasons is coming back out of the COVID experience, it's been incredibly disorienting. Like the hobbies I had before I went into COVID, I don't have anymore. Some of the relationships I had before COVID, I don't have anymore. The, some of the even priorities I had before COVID, I don't have anymore. I, that's weird because it's just weird. I think we can all agree, 
COVID was weird. All right, so there's lots of, <laughs> lots of weirdness going on there, but it's very disorienting. Because you go, I, I, that was true, but now it's not. The very way in which you do church is different now. Very disorienting, especially someone who grew up in church. Like, and if you grew up in church, you're like, well, church is weird this whole time. Yeah, I agree. I'm the pastor. I agree with you on that. It's disorienting when you take something that you knew and it's changed. Where do I stand? Where's my foundation? That disorienting factor is probably, and I'm identifying it myself as I take an inventory of kind of my own struggles in these things, is I was finding my identity in things that didn't really matter. I was finding my identity in stuff that, that wasn't really of God. Wow, I should have been finding my identity. Pandemic, no pandemic, good economy, bad economy, any of in between is one who walks with God. And that changes the priorities in which we uh, make decisions in our life and how we find ourselves and how we are oriented, how we feel stable, how our foundation is. And so uh, this morning, as we lean into Genesis chapter 3, I think we, we walk with uh, Adam and Eve in this moment, and they're experiencing a lot of disorientation, and they're trying to figure that out as well. Um, this is uh, Satan talking. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They, they were con so concerned with their nakedness that they immediately felt they didn't measure up. When their priorities shifted, see, the whole idea with the shifting was, I want to be like God. I want to gain wisdom. I, I need to step into a new, new, new era in my life instead of just be, be thrilled with the idea of being one who walks with God. Instead, I want to be one who is equal to God. There's a huge difference in that. And the pursuit of wisdom, the pursuit of uh, knowledge, and the pursuit of knowing all things, sometimes we start pursuing wanting to be on par with God instead of being one who walks with God. Genesis 3.8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord, called, the Lord God called a man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And, and he, God, said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? I was afraid because I was, what, 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 what? They have no reason to be afraid of God. None. Absolutely none. The, they get to walk with God. There's no reason. But once they try to make themselves equal to God, they're like, oh, I'm not equal to God. Once they have enough wisdom to know that I'm not going to measure up to him, 
Then they have feelings of inadequacy. Then they have feelings of fear. Then they feel like they don't measure up. Ah, I'm naked. Who told you that? Who cares? It's the Garden of Eden. It's a nice, nice 85 degrees Fahrenheit with a slight breeze and sunshine. Like, you're in Hawaii, man. What's the matter? <laughs> like, what is your deal? You know, who told you this? Who are you ashamed of? And the chimpanzee's gonna to judge you over there? The anteater? What was your problem? Who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the fruit you're not supposed to? Because the only way you would do this is if you tried to start making yourself like me instead of being one who walks with me. And for you and this, this, me in this morning, that's an incredibly challenging moment. Is my identity stuck up or caught up in what I can control? How I can perform? How I measure up? Because all those things, those are the same kind of sin stuff that Adam and Eve are dealing with. I can't measure up to God, so therefore I got to cover myself up. There's no chance you're ever going to measure up to God. But for us, we, we spend so much of our time trying to guard ourselves that they won't find out that I'm a fraud, that they won't find out I'm messy, that they won't find out that I, I don't have what it takes, that they won't find out this, that they won't have When all that is asked of us is to be one who walks with God. God knows you're messy. He knows you got stuff. He knows you have things. And he walks with you anyway. Genesis 1.27, God says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The truth of this should pierce our hard hearts. And God created them in his own image. So, you're not too skinny. You're not too big. You're not too short. You're not too tall. You don't have too much hair or not enough hair. You are created in the image of God. Full stop. We're done. You are created in the image of God. Yeah, but I don't know, like, does God have a mirror? Because, like, uh, is he happy with this? Because he could have taken a little off here and done a little poofiness here and a little injection here. We've been all right. No, you are created in the image of God. That means you're enough with all your imperfections, with all your stuff, with all your things. You are created in the image of God. And so God saying, wait, 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 I created you. Who told you you were naked? This is exactly how I wanted you. There's nothing wrong. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you talking about? The first response of not knowing who you are is thinking you are less than you are. I know that's a lot of words. 
The first response of not knowing who you are is thinking less, is thinking you are less than you are. We immediately, like if we don't, aren't firm foundation identified in, in who we are, we think, I don't have it. I'm not enough. I can't make it. If we, if we don't know who we are, we don't know where to find ourselves, we immediately default to, I can't do that. Even if you are perfectly capable of doing it. Second response, we don't know who we are, is to blame someone else. We do this really well, right? Adam does it. She did it. <laughs> you were standing right there. You should have slapped it out of her hand. You should have killed the serpent. You should have done a lot of things there, sir. She handed me the apple. Shut your big head up. We giggle, and you're welcome for that, but we do that all the time. Something goes wrong, it's my wife's fault. My husband's fault. Well, he's the one that brought that home. He's the one that did this. He shouldn't have bought that. Okay. Blame somebody else. We blame the government. We blame our boss. We blame I-55 for the construction, and it is that's fault. Okay, that's just a... That's the 11th commandment, thou shalt be traffic's fault. But hey, um, <laughs> I kid, that's not in there. All right, and so, just for clarity. Um, but we blame, we blame, well, what, what does Adam say in verse 12? The man said, the woman who you put here, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Yeah, you were standing right there the whole time. You should have been a man and said, no, we're not doing that. And Eve, you really shouldn't have taken this. It's really easy for us to, like, oh, well, the Jimmy Buffett song, right? Some people say there's a woman to blame. And, you know, when you're in high school, you're like, yeah, I love that verse. But he's standing right there. That woman who you created, just, just saying, just saying, I didn't create her. You took it from my ribs and you created. No, we blame someone else when we have identity problems because we don't want to be found out. Right? We blame our bosses. We blame our spouse. We blame our kids. We blame our parents. It's their fault. They did this to me. We don't want to take responsibility. We blame umpires. I was blaming umpires last night for the Dodgers game bad. Seven moments of silence. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. Um, we blame everyone else. And that blaming, it may feel good for a second, but all it does is put off the responsibility. Push off the responsibility. When the reality is, I'm afraid someone will find out that I don't measure up. Why do you care? Because if we're one that's trying to be equal to God, we care a whole lot. If we're trying to be just one who walks with God, that stuff doesn't matter. And this is a lesson that I'm continually trying to remember and continually trying to learn. But I want to be not one who's trying to be God and be like God, but actually just walk with him. 
to stay in my job description, one who loves God, one who follows after God, one who is formed by God, not one who is trying to be God. And if we examine ourselves, we journal through uh, the scripture, we, we think about these points, we do these things, I think the really hard question that we've got to ask ourselves of, am I trying to be God in this moment or am I walking with God? When you don't identify in Jesus, you treat people out of your identity crisis. When you don't identify in Jesus of who I am in Christ, you treat people out of your identity crisis. In your, and this goes both ways. You may treat people extremely well because you want them to like you. You're a, a real life human golden retriever and you just want people to like you. That is, there's a personality test that was really popular about 20 years ago that one of them you could be an otter. Maybe you've done this in the corporate world. You could be an otter. You could be a golden retriever. You could be a lion. And there's one more. I don't even remember what it was. Um, that probably makes me one of these guys, by the way. Um, but it was just really funny. It's like, oh, we know golden retrievers. The people, I'll do anything for you. I want you to like me. <laughs> Go get the ball, right? And you know people in your life that are like that. And we like those people. They're nice, but that's exhausting. And you feel like you're being spread out all over the place because you can't. There's never any time for you to grow. There's never any time for you to, to get better. You're just trying to please everybody else all the time. Because your identity is not found in who Jesus is. Your identity is found as, do they like me? Do they like me? Do they like me? Do they like me? And some of you don't care at all if people like you. And that's a whole other kind of issue, right? That goes the other way. Like, no, 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 your identity doesn't go in your selfish desires. Your identity goes in how God in, in through Christ, not through if you're doing your own thing, you're doing your own, you, you, everything's about you. No, 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 no. We do that as a protection method where if I don't let anybody in, then nobody can hurt me, yeah. Except then you can't ever have community and you can't ever get better. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This verse is loaded with our identity. Who am I? I'm God's workmanship. God doesn't make junk. Now, if I was created in Jared's workmanship, everybody would have Nick's problems. You know, one arm would be way shorter than the other. It would be bad. But we're God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? To do God's works. That means we are thought premeditatedly about to be created by the master craftsman, created for a purpose to do good works, which God prepared off the cuff because he's like, oh, I forgot about Dean Scarcelli. No. God prepared an advance for us to do, which means the environment that you find yourself in, God has already thought about it and said, you know what? Kendall is perfect for this moment. Jeremy has got what it takes for this moment because I wasn't surprised that he was at that job. I wasn't surprised he was in this moment. I created him with the gifts, talents, personality to fit perfectly in this moment. And he says that about each and every one of us. Right now, you might go, well, I don't think you thought about this 
predicament that I found myself in. No, no, no. He's created you to be able to speak into, to live through whatever you find yourself in. In this moment, in this time. For we, for you, are God's workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Thought about, mulled over, designed. You were prepared in advance for that. When we grab a hold of this type of thinking, it changes us. It's not an easy thing to grab a hold of. If you always thought you've been a mess up, always thought you weren't good enough, always thought that you, you didn't have a hold of it, this is really foreign. This is really hard to, to grab a hold of. It's like, oh, that's nice. It's, it's easy for Jared to say that about that person. That person, of course, was created, created, thought about and everything. But I think God forgot about me on this one. That's not how it goes. You all, all of us, as I would say as a five-year-old, Huss. Every single one of us was created through Christ Jesus. Not as mistakes. Not as a whoops-a-daisy. It doesn't matter what your parenting is. If you're adopted, you were not a mistake. If you were born, you're not a mistake. No matter what your parents say. If they tell you, you were a mistake, you're still not a mistake. Because in God's eyes, he loves you and created you in advance with a purpose to say, oh, I got something for you. I got something for you. Even Lorelai downstairs screaming. <laughs> He's got something for her right now. And what it is is ministering to those kids downstairs. If you can't hear, she's, she's having fun. And your kids are well taken care of right now in this moment. And I love it. Her parents are going, oh, you have no idea, Jared. You have no, no idea. Um, you are created in God's workmanship, prepared in advance for, doing, uh, for us, prepared in advance for us to do. Psalms 139, 13. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Not only were you thought about to do good works and to have function in life, and it's not just about what you do, but you were created thought about, even in your mama's womb, as those cells are starting to form, there's uh, someone, who, someone who works for me at Whiteford. They actually get paid. I don't. I don't. But uh, they are pregnant right now, and their baby's the size of an apple. And she was talking about how many inches it is, and, and the baby's older brother is all excited and, and asking, what kind of fruit is he today? All right? So, um, but I just, that hit me this morning. It's like, it's just, it's just this bag. Smaller than my fist, and being knit together, put together in the miraculous way in which cells are put together. And God has already said, I'm knitting you together, and I've thought about you, and I have a plan for you, I have a purpose for you. You were created for something amazing. And I think so often we get caught up in how much money we make, who likes us, who doesn't like us, how we're going to go about it, that we miss it that we try to figure it all out and have answers for everything and we try to make ourselves like God instead of walking with God. Our identity comes from a place of walking with God, of knowing who he's created us to be 
and how he has thought out our steps, our quirks. You may have some goofiness in you. I know I do. And God has thought about that. You may have personality, interesting things, and God has thought about that. None of it catches him by surprise. You were prepared in advance, thought about, and you are loved. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for today, and thank you for this time and this moment. Some of us this morning need to know that we were thought about, need to know that we are cared for, need to know that we are loved, need to know that it doesn't matter what we do, it matters who we are. And some of these lies that we've been told our whole lives, that we're not good enough, that we don't mess up, that we're just a mess. Lord, we want to throw those titles those feelings of guilt, those feelings of inadequacy, we want to throw them away. And in this moment, we want to walk with you to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you knit us together, that you thought about each and every one of us as we were created. This morning, maybe we've never thought of it that way before. We've never engaged with you in that way before. And so, Lord, we, we ask for you to, to shed all us of all that guilt and all that shame and all that junk that we've been carrying around for years and that we would know who we are in you. That we have what it takes. Not because of our own education, not because of our own preparedness. We have what it takes because we were created and thought about by you. Lord, this morning, let us walk with you. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.